And you're very welcome to Wade In after John Bond cements his place at the top of the Supreme Market with a pretty impressive performance on Friday. Champ is now, for many people, the favourite for the stayers hurdle. Nicky Henderson, it turns out, knows exactly what he's doing. And we're going to talk about all the racing and the issues from the last few days as well. Kevin Blake, you're very welcome. Yeah, thank you, Hugh. Good to be on. Good to be on. Um, yeah. Let's look back on uh, some great racing action and some mighty, mighty news stories. So, yeah, let's get stuck in. Stuck in, as we always do, Mr. Tony Calvin. One thing you cannot <laughs> accuse this podcast of is not having an opinion, right? <laughs> no, we have an opinion about most things. Annoying, yes. every, annoying everybody. That's our yeah. game. Yeah, I want to hear less of Vanessa's opinion about whether or not she's going to come out with me for a drink this weekend. But look, I just even—I promise I won't ask her again. I promise I won't ask no, her. No, again. no, it's coming up in the questions and what oh, I right, want, what right. I want for Christmas. You, uh, <laughs> I think we know the answer. How are you, Vanessa? Yeah, all well and good. All well and good. Thank you very much. It, um, is there doom and gloom, Vanessa, about the prospect of racing having very few people attending over in Ireland? I know they're very worried in Leopardstown, Limerick right around the country really about the prospect of certainly reduced car uh, crowds at an absolute minimal, but the potential for to be all behind closed doors, which would just be awful for people. Yeah, I think there is a bit of doom and gloom. I was at Ascot for two days, uh, Friday, Saturday for the um, Christmas meeting and Friday was very sort of subdued. Saturday was actually a really great atmosphere, but part of me thinks that a lot of the feeling was quite that sort of last hurrah vibe, I must say. Um, there was plenty of people there and, it, you know, big space at Ascot. There was no issues. Um, it was a great day out, but definitely I'm worried that was a bit of a last hurrah. I'm racing at Fontwell um, on Boxing Day. And obviously I think there's 14 meetings or whatever there is. Um, and I can just see either, I don't know, look, there's an announcement today. It could be reduced yeah. capacity or um, very minimal crowds, which will be very, very disappointing. So, oh God, it could be a bit of a grim old Monday. Yeah, it looks the, the way it's going at Leopardstown, Kevin, as well, is it's still going to be severely reduced crowd capacity. Um, look, I don't know whether you have an opinion on the rights or wrongs of that, but certainly it's just not great, is it? Another year on from we had a pretty uh, desperate racing campaign last year because there was no crowds, no atmosphere. It looks like we're going to have more of the same this year. Um, yeah, look, the timing's bad, I suppose, isn't it? But it's not a coincidental timing either. Um, uh, Leopards down at the management, they're, they're still sticking to 5,000. I'm just looking at the latest press release they sent out this morning. Yeah. Um, and that, that's what they're aiming for. And sure, look, hopefully they get there. But I suppose the thing about this old Omnicron is it, it is multiplying so, so fast that, um, you know, in a week, we could be in, we could be in different shape, but we are now. So look, what can you do? Only, only do your best and hope for the best, and, and try to be sensible. But you, you would be fearful, um, about where we might end up with this. But on the flip side, you and I'm not someone that follows it deeply, but I have seen some, um, information coming out of South Africa about you know the the, the, the Omicron, um, related um patients you know that the hospitalization rate yeah. is way way lower and um the icu rate is much much lower so look yeah. hopefully um it won't be as bad as it was a year ago but look time will tell but the issue with, sort of obviously out. but the issue with that i think the big issue here is the nhs are saying about fifty thousand of their staff are going to be going to be off uh with, with covid uh, co uh you know um yeah. options there so if you haven't got this you haven't got the nhs staff to to cater with for the for the numbers we're seeing it's mm. it's it's good well, i think we're gonna i think we're looking at lockdown four oh, what a time to be alive what a time and on that bombshell i mean god almighty happy christmas and all that lads. this was our last one before <laughs> christmas but christ <laughs> almighty what's going on um okay lads if i you know just on the basis and lads and ladies lads on the basis of the weekend and we just saw john bon on friday kev would he come up? Because last, I think it was pretty universal that you were all Constitution Hill at the price in terms of the top two in the market. It just leaves Sir Gerard out for a minute. But John Bond, after what he did on Friday, very impressive, wasn't he? Yeah, I thought he was good, for sure. Um, it was hard to knock, um, but you would knock the race. It looked a good race in paper. They went, they went to kind of a farcical gallop there early. John Bond ended up making his own running. The thing that would impress you the most about him, really, I suppose, is his jumping. Like He's a, he's a slick jumper for what he is. Um, niece jumper and he settled better for sure in front than he had when they tried to uh, you know ride him with a bit more patience um, on his hurting debut prior to him putting to the front early enough um, so I, I, you'd like it now um, look 
did it justify the, the widespread cutting of his price, etc.? Um, not really for me. Um, it, by the sounds of it, we're not going to see loads of them. Maybe one more time before Cheltenham. Um, you'd love to see him tested a bit more deeply before we get there. But um, look, no doubt, exciting horse. Um, his jumping technique will stand to him. Clearly loads of ability in there. But we might not really find out how much is in there until he gets tested, um, presumably for the first time at Cheltenham, it seems. Are you worried about your anti-post Constitution Hill bet, Tony? I'm worried about him sending both of them there, for sure. But, uh, you know, he's, he's, Nicky's got a history of sending both horses to the Supreme if they're both good enough. And I think Michael Buckley won't... Uh, uh, I think he'll get his way if he wants to go the two-mile route. And Constitution Hill looked all speed at uh, Sandown, didn't he? He's finishing it. But, I mean, John Bon, I was a non-believer going into Friday's race against four very decent rivals. <laughs> and I actually laid him even money, but... Um, yeah, you had to be impressed by that. But, you know, John Bond's got it to do in a strongly run race. Um, he's got to produce a time figure, and that's what Constitution Hill's done. So I'd still be, especially at the, at the reduced prices uh, for John Bond, I'd still be very much in the Constitution Hill camp. But, uh, yeah, um, from being a non-believer, um, he took a massive stride forward for me there. Yeah, he did. It was a stronger field, Vanessa, which a lot of people have made uh, their work on after Friday. So... You know, on that basis, you know, I, I, I was impressed, I have to say. I thought it was very good. Yeah, a couple of notes from uh, behind the scenes, is it? I don't know if that's the right word, yeah. but just I was on the ground. Uh, he, obviously, the relationship with Duvan, I was surprised in uh, his relation to Duvan, I should say. Uh, I was very surprised in the paddock. He's a very diff different physical specimen to Duvan. Duvan was a big, angular, sort of narrow horse and was very, you could see looking at him, he was going to be a horse that was hard to keep sound. John Bond's a much smaller, much more compact, better put together individual, plenty of class about him. But um, a side note of caution, perhaps, or just a note anyway, was you know, even pre-race, during the race and post-race, he's still green as grass. And there obviously there are these rumours and words and little bits of reports from Seven Barriers that I think he has to gallop on his own, doesn't he? He has to train on his own. Um, in the paddock beforehand, they kept a lid on him. He was fine in the paddock beforehand, but I went down to watch him come into the winner's enclosure and I was right at that rail. And, you know, he was winning away, which you don't see that that often in a winner's enclosure after a race. Uh, he refused to have his picture taken. Um, the Henderson team got a bit uh, angsty with the cameramen um, that stand in a pretty standard regular position at Ascot to get the close-up shots of the horse in the winner's enclosure. And um, someone came over from the Henderson team and told them to back away because it was spooking the horse. All just adding up to, and then the way in which, obviously, look, I know the race was run at a crawl and he was a bit keen and then he was much better once he got to the front. But just as a note of caution, I'd say Constitution's hit, Constitution Hill's mind is mm -hmm. much more mature than John Bon. I think it's very much from seeing him there close up, I was quite like, oh yeah, very much a work in progress. And I watched the race up in the box where actually JP was there and AP and obviously all the connections. And it was definitely a look of relief rather than elation, shall we say. I think my overriding feeling is he's clearly got a huge amount of talent, but I think he'll take a huge amount of training as well to make sure he keeps going down the right road. Whereas mm. all the word on the street about Constitution Hill is I think he's just, you see that video of Barry's kids riding him as a store horse. I mean, like Barry Garrity's children. I think he's an, I think he's the opposite to John Bon. I think he's very mentally mature, very relaxed, very switched off, and then bang, gets to the race course, does his business. So at the prices, if you want to take mm. any of that in mind, I'm just reporting what I saw. Um, so yeah, just a bit of a side note, but that's look. very interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting because look, obviously a lot of people, you know, apart from the people who were there, would have seen that, and even those that were there, a lot of them wouldn't have paid any heed to that. So that's I don't, that's really interesting. John Bond backers have been waiting for uh, wanting for a lockdown and behind closed doors by the sound. Of it. They want yeah. sixty thousand people yeah. tuning. Well, does he still wear earplugs? Uh, apparently, yeah, he does. Earplugs. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he wears the earplugs and exactly that. We were obviously just talking off camera about the behind closed doors uh, racing. And that's actually something that came into my mind, Tony. I thought, well, John Bombackers would be hoping for that. That's one of the only positives because, mm. yeah, a full festival on what I saw on Sat on Friday wouldn't be what John Bond wants.
Yeah, and I heard I have a good authority as well, just to add to what you said about the photographs that the only person who got their picture taken with John Bond was Dave Yates. So I mean, look, that's, that's, that's <laughs> um, what did you think? What did you think of Champ um, TC? I, yeah. I, 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 if I was Nicky Henderson, which I'm not, I mean, I, I really hope he just keeps him over hurdles and goes to yeah. the stairs now, and I'll be all over him for the stairs hurdle. I think I think he will be. I mean, you go and have a look at that. I mean, I was the way he just travelled through the race. I mean, obviously we heard a lot of reports about his schooling, um, you know, putting jockeys on the deck, etc. Allegedly, but yeah. So obviously they they've taken it back to hurdles, and the way he just tanked through that race. I mean, Ronald Pump did far too much too early there, but Champ even for that Champ was just travelling all over him, uh, and he found more when Time Hill came to him. Just have a look at that division from the betting. Um, you've got classical yeah. dream that we haven't, you know, obviously he's, you know, no shows more than not. Um, you know, he's beaten everything else that the UK's got to throw at him on Saturday. Um, he, he should be stairs hurdle favourite. I don't think they'd be going gold cup wise, and they. But again, they might have a rethink if Shantry House blows out um, in the King George. But yeah, I mean, he deserves to be stairs hurdle favourite from what I saw there. I didn't see it coming at all, but he was he was very impressive. He was Kev. I'd be all over him. He's nine to two for the stairs now, which I still think is a very fair price. Yeah. If yeah. they keep him over hurdles, look, we know his jumping is dodgy, but we know he's quick as hell. His technique over hurdles is very good, and he stays all day. He's the perfect stairs hurdle horse, isn't he? I wouldn't say he's the perfect stairs hurdle horse, but I'd say he could certainly win the stairs hurdle. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I thought this was good. Like, it, it really, you want he's the stairs hurdle. You want the Sayers hurdle horse to be a bit more, a lot more relaxed than he is, but he was quite good by his standards. I thought he was quite good. Um, I'd say John Joe O'Neill will probably come on from the run if, if he gets to ride him again, but maybe he won't. But um, he probably got there too soon. Um, like this horse is a very strong traveler and he kind of got to the front there after the third last. And I thought he was messing about in Ireland to be honest he flicked an ear there just coming down to the last and was ultimately well on top and it, it was a good performance and like the thing you know Nicky has mentioned it before and we've all seen it you know this this jumping to the left that he does but that he never really did that over hurdles and he didn't really do it on Saturday that's more of a fences thing with him and like I, I think he like my, I, I was always looking for it to be dropped in trip over fences because he just doesn't have a great brain over fences um, like he's well able to jump but he just can't work things out when he has to work things out when he has to shorten so look if he was mine I, I'd be staying over hurdles um, like he's they've been a bit unlucky with him like he's he's, he's got to be 10 in a week and a half you know his time is of the essence a little bit and can he win a gold cup this season I God, I wouldn't fancy him but can he win a Sayers hurdle absolutely because that division's windy and he's just gone and shown that he's right up there at the pick of them um, and you'd hope he might slick up even with that return to hurling under his belt. So, yeah, if he were mine, I'd certainly go stairs hurdle and he'll take a fair bit of whack. And if he does, um, just the only one I'd be waiting for is Classical Dream. He'd be the only one that could. Yeah. You know, I and I, I backed Classical Dream um, when he won that uh, the novice hurdle at Cheltenham. And I, I, I'm a huge fan of his, but he's, he's another headbanger. Like, I mean, just don't know if he'll even get to the festival. He's been so unsound over the last while. Dan Barber, I think, is finally going to give up the Paisley Park, lads. What do you reckon? Basically, only better was his last. Yeah. He ran oh, all right, guys. didn't he? He, he, he ran, ran all right. right. He, he ran all right. right. It, it yeah, was yeah. dour. You know. just, yeah, yeah. I'd like to see him with the cheek pieces back on, ridden like that. You know, I think they rode him wrong when they put the cheek pieces on, and uh, yeah. maybe save him for Cheltenham, possibly. But um, like, there's still a clearly horse in there. But is there enough horse in there to, to regain his crown? You'd be you'd be doubtful. But he you could still hit the frame in the race for sure. He did put up Tritonic in fairness to him, who was impressive in the Betfair Exchange. Vanessa, I this is a horse, you know, again, the, the hype goes like up and down when he was um, a, about a year ago. But um, what did you make of that win? I, I thought it was decent enough. And I like the horse, I have to say. Yeah, I like the horse. Um, uh, lots of people seemed to think he was going to win. <laughs> um, there was a bit of a punt on the day, wasn't there? I think he opened up quite a big price. Mm. And uh, every, you know, a good few people were talking about him on the race course on the day. Kept hearing his name and I kept thinking slightly, really? Um, but then in he went and he travelled like a good thing. He got conditions on the day to suit. He's a bit of a... a, a clearly yesterday was definitely a plan for him by all accounts or was mapped out for him. And where he goes next, I, I actually have absolutely absolutely no idea what they're going to do with him he's obviously got an engine but he needs those sort of conditions and um look he came good on the day I think that's a massive box tick for them for the rest of for the season but what they do next I I, I absolutely don't know I would imagine he's going to get about seven or eight pounds for that uh given the money on offer 
I'd go straight to the Betfair hurdle with them. And then, yeah. they can, and then they can maybe have another go at Cheltenham if they so wish. Uh, but mm. yeah, Betfair hurdle seems the logical. The, the punt on the day, Tony? Uh, it was 14 the night before. It was a top price 11s in the morning. Um, yeah, it was, there was a few punts in that race and he was one of them. It wasn't, it wasn't a total smash-up job. No. Uh, but yeah, he was uh, he, he was well supported. Tony Calvin, if I know you at all, and I do, you love an anti-post champion bumper bet for Cheltenham. So I presume oh, you're yes. all over American Mike, are you? <laughs> American Mike, you're stuck in a three to one for the bumper. I tell you, I tell you what, I, when I knew we were going to be talking about him, so I went, <laughs> back and had, I went back and had a look, and obviously he's I think he's eleven to four now. Uh, he he has been pretty damn impressive as well. He's apparently he's impressed on the clock um, too. So yeah, I mean, he treated. Uh, he, I know he went off at one to eight or something on, at the weekend, but the horse he beat wasn't a mug. I mean, he didn't wasn't beaten far in a, a listed uh, bumper uh, uh, previously, so, and obviously he treated him with disdain there. Um, yeah, I mean, well, I, look, I don't follow bumper form. I don't follow that division at all. But uh, everything you see about him and hear about him and and uh, look about him on the clock. Suggest he's he probably is a genuine freeze eleven to four poke game. Yeah, it's generally the Irish that, that have the favourites going into uh, the bumper Cheltenham game, isn't it? And uh, this is going to be another pretty hot spot for people trying to get out, maybe on the last one on Wednesday. Um, yeah, it looks looks a lovely horse. Um, is it, you know, entitled to be fav. Um, I wish they'd only listen to me and do away with the champion bumper. And this fellow will be over hurdles right now, and we'll be looking forward to a clash with John Bon and uh, and Constitution Hill. But there you go. Don't um, do that. Yeah, he he's been very good. He's been a really exciting horse, and um, I think he's going to go straight to Cheltenham, I believe. So yeah, looking yeah, looking forward was, to seeing uh, him there. I want to make sure. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, go on. Go on. No, they were talking about possibly the Dublin Racing Festival, but I think Gordon oh. said more likely to go straight to Chile. And Kev, you're all pal, unfortunately, we lost Silver Streak. Um, you put him up a couple of times when it wasn't very popular to do so, and unfortunately um, passed away for uh, Evan Williams over the weekend. So obviously sad for all connections involved, but you were a fan. I was, sure, how could you not be? He was a super horse. Look, was he one of the best herders around? No, he wasn't, but um, sometimes these horses that, that fall a shade short at the top, you know, they can almost be dismissed by the public in a way, but I guess would, this would have been a dream horse for Evan Williams and his connections, yeah. you know, and you, you can tell how much it meant to them. You know, it's very, very difficult to get a horse that good, you know, and he, he, was, he was a wonderful horse. He gave him some very big days, um, you know, lowering Epiton's colours at Kempton this time last year, I suppose, would have been a big highlight, um, but, he, but he took some big scalps in his time and he, he was a great horse, you know, won eight races grade one company as well and yeah it's it's, it's a real pity um yeah. tough game at times only an eight-year-old you know there's plenty more mileage left in him but but there you go unfortunately yeah and we should um as a speedy recovery to dial jacob as well um kevin put up caribbean boys snap last friday uh, vanessa and obviously fell of the weekend daryl i think what did he pick up a fracture in his hip, hip. so he's gonna miss yeah. christmas yeah, yeah same, same as rachel blackmore i think something oh yeah to it. so it could be there. i mean it could be a few months then yeah right. yeah rachel was something like three months it's not the devil's in the detail not no no injuries are the same but i think rachel was about three months or so these, these jockeys don't you laugh don't they he just said oh i don't think i'll be riding over christmas you just broke your hip you're such an idiot yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you not think Daryl no? do you not think so no? can, you, can, you, can you give us a more um, can you be positive about that like? yeah, he'd, he'd, he'd probably strap it up and he'd probably give it a go like these lads are animals yeah. <laughs> he was yeah, on sorry, the ground lads. for a good while as well it was obviously it was a proper fall poor chap so we, I wish him yeah obviously a speedy recovery yeah, yeah, I don't think I'm going to make it out of as my head is just falling <laughs> off my shoulders. I'm not sure, and I might get back, but you never see. Um, we should also say, guys, um, obviously a pretty brilliant weekend for mm -hmm. Rachel Blackmore in terms of awards. Look, Kevin, she picked up, you know, for, for what the, the highlight for many people across the world, the RTE Sports Person of the Year Award on Saturday <laughs> night. And then last night, she got the World Sports Star for the BBC as well. So, look, mm. for somebody who doesn't really like the media attention, she had to do a fair bit of speaking over the weekend. And she was in the limelight, but look, you have to say it's a, a measure of what she achieved last season. I don't believe she, she like, you know, there's not much more to say about her. Like, I don't think we'll ever see the legs again. Um, like she, what she's done is unbelievable. The background she's come from to do is unbelievable. And it kind of sums her up in a quirky sort of way that, you know, this thing last night, you know, a massive deal. 
massive deal for anyone in racing or any other sport and, and she missed it because she wanted to take one ride at Turles the day yeah. she didn't she couldn't quite get there in time you know yeah. how many other people would have just said ah we'll leave that ride in the handicap hurdle at Turles and head over and enjoy ourselves in wherever it was Manchester but she yeah. ended up missing it by like 20 minutes and 25 minutes and it kind of sums up just that that attitude she has you know it's 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 winning you know she's the um, you, you hate to say it, but she, she, she'd almost say she's the female McCoy, you know, she has that same now, yeah, and drive in her, you know, despite all the success, you know, it's not diminished, and um, yeah, you, you couldn't be anything but just you know, hugely admiring of everything about her, you know, on the track, off the track, everything. She's, she's a beast. It speaks think- volumes of the people around her that when you know we're going to get on to talking about another jockey heavily in the limelight in Ashim Murphy in, mm. in the next section of the show. And you know, you see sort of maybe what success and fame can do to a certain young sports people. And then you look at the comparison to Rachel, and you know, you couldn't get more. A, a more differing profile you know somebody who's basically one of the most famous jockeys now currently riding courtesy of these recent well a national win for starters but also these recent awards etc cetera, etc cetera. and yet you just know with her that you know thanks to her upbringing the head on her shoulders the way she conducts herself and the people around her she's never going to change. She'll always be Rachel Blackmore. She'll be the same Rachel Blackmore when she rode eight winners in a season as she is when she rides 88 winners in a season. You know, she's just got that brilliant brain about her. I mean, it makes me sound like I'm talking about a horse, but you just know she's always going to have that professionalism. And I think that's what sort of stands her above, you know, as, as Kevin's touched upon there, riding one, one picking up one ride and handicap chase on a Sunday. So delays her going to sports personality of the year. But you just know that that's her. She's never going to change. She's always the ultra professional. And as a result, for me, she's just, she's above McCoy. She's above so many other big names, including the Tory and other big names in my eyes when it comes to a role model in our sport, because if any kid is growing up and their parents say, you know, who do you want your child to be like? It would be her, wouldn't it? Because she's just got it all. She's got the yeah. talent. She's got the ability. She's got the drive. But above all else, she's the ultimate professional. And that's what I love about her. You take yeah. your fight there. We've got Rachel in drunk, drink and drug shocker coming over <laughs> on, 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 on in the Sunday papers there, haven't you? I tell you what, I guarantee you, as long as we're all breathing, that will absolutely never happen, which brings us on nicely. To our next part of the show, um, I guess, and from look from celebrating Rachel's achievements to what well, everybody has been able to read for themselves and hear for themselves what has happened with uh, Ushin Murphy over the course of the last few days. So just for people who are unfamiliar, he has relinquished his riding license with immediate effect and he has been charged by the British Horse Racing Authority for... Um, basically, there's an investigation going to happen about uh, alleged breaches of COVID protocols as well as other charges as well, all connected to his behaviour over the last um, year or so. Ocean Murphy did, in fact, release a statement um, himself. He said, on, her, on returning from abroad last September 2020, I failed to follow the COVID protocol set out by the BHA in breaking these rules and attempting to mislead the BHA. I've let my governing body down, along with trainers, owners, staff, sponsors and family, for which I wish to apologise. In addition to this, there have been two race course incidents linked to alcohol during 2021. It became obvious to me and to everyone else that I needed to seek serious help. Uh, it's a strange one for a few different reasons, Kevin Blake, but your initial thoughts when you saw that last week? Yeah, look, there's an awful lot to this, you an awful <laughs> lot to it. Um, like, geez, where do you start? Um, my initial thoughts, um, sure, look, I wasn't surprised. I, I think a lot of professionals in the game wouldn't be surprised. Like, there, there's a big one. We've, we've kind of mentioned this a few different times in the pod recently. Like, there's a, there'd be a big divide here in opinion between um, racing professionals and the racing public. Um, like Oshin Murphy is a huge following amongst the racing public. You know, he, 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 we know all the positive stuff, you know, very good on social media, very forthcoming, um, you know, d- does plenty of good stuff and, and has gained an awful lot of, um, of support publicly for that. But, but look, it, it's been well known for a long time behind the scenes that, that he, he's, he's pretty loose. He's pretty loose. He, he drinks um, and, 
you know, there, there's behavioural issues there. And look, we've seen it come to the come to the fore in relatively recent times now. You know, we had the breathalyzer at Salisbury, um, whatever it was last year, that was see, widely seen as a blip. You know, one of these things that happened, he just got unlucky. And then, you know, we had the cocaine positive. You know, he was given a massive amount of benefit of the doubt um, by France Gallo on that, you know, for what, what I believe was just the second time ever a jockey was given less than six months of a suspension. He was given a three-month suspension and a very favourable time of year. He was given a lot of benefit of the doubt. They were very um, believing of, of the case he made for environmental contamination, etc. And he's come back from that now. And, um, we, of course, this all blew up in September when he failed the breathalyzer at Newmarket. Um, subsequently emerged that he'd been in, in, a, in you know, a multi-incident confrontation the, the night before in Newmarket in a pub, outside a pub. And again, he got an awful lot of understanding, an awful lot of sympathy. Uh, but now we know that he also had an alcohol fail back in May that we that no one seemingly knew about, certainly not publicly. You assume they knew themselves um, at Chester in May. So Newmarket would have been his third mm -hmm. alcohol violation in the space of a couple of years, which triggers, as we'll talk about, you know, a very big, significant ban. Um, and you, you have the COVID violations, you have misleading the BHJ, like he seemingly lied to the BHJ over his, the fact that he'd been in Italy on a bit of a break. He returned and said he you know, obviously hadn't disclosed where he was and went back riding. Like that's a serious breach there, you know, and the, the, there's going to be an, another ban on top of that. Like I'd say, looking at it, when you look at the alcohol situation, three fails in the space of three years, that's a ban of between 60 and 180 days. Um, with an entry point of three months, um, misleading the BHA. Again, um, let me get it up here in front of me, is, is another significant ban in the, in the, in the offing. Sorry, I've lost my place here. Bear with me. Um, yeah. duh, 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 duh. Apologies. I had it here okay. two seconds there's, ago. There's, there's, a lot, there's a lot to pick through uh, with all of this. Like an awful lot to pick through. Yeah, look, I, I think he could be in line for another, for at least a month with the misleading the BHA and up to a year and a half, you know, that, that like that's serious. Again, then you've got the COVID breach, which we saw with Ben Curtis um, got absolutely hammered with a ban for a seemingly a quite innocuous um, technical breach of the rules. He got, a, he got a 28 day ban, 14 of which were suspended. This would seem from what we know about it to be a much more serious breach on that front. So like really, like we're, we're certainly looking at a ban of at least four months, like being really generous um, and potentially much, much more. Um, so this is, this is really serious. He's relinquished his license with immediate effect. Um, you know, the, 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 the public line is, is to, you know, to get stuck into his rehab, et cetera. But a, a cynic would view that as um, in, in cases past, where jockeys have relinquished their licenses voluntarily when the hearing is eventually heard and the punishment is dished out um the time that they since they relinquished their licenses given as, as time served so look there's an awful there's an awful lot to unpick that's just the bare details there's a huge amount in this um look for a multiple champion jockey there's clearly major major issues and look while we all understand the importance of, of being understanding uh, and you know having some sympathy for a guy with problems and um, there's surely only so much talk we can listen to you know there needs to be action here and he needs to, to get himself sorted or else his career is going to be in, in in major trouble isn't it yeah i guess just from the public's point of view vanessa you know the public love their superstars right and Oshie murphy is is a star of the flat game and the public if they warm to somebody are prepared to forgive an awful lot of discretions we've seen it across a variety of different sports over the years that you know the cream of, of of sports maybe get away sometimes with a little bit more than they should be allowed to, and I think that is the case here with Oshie Murphy. Yeah, it definitely is, and just what Kevin said at the start of his little conversation there, where whereby he's saying that you know there's definitely a different view going on between racing professionals and the public. Oshie Murphy really has a very strong public following, and that's obviously down to all this good use of social media. But I thought. You know, my theory, my thinking with him for a while now has been this sort of it's a very, very dangerous game to play that um, <clears throat> sort of putting on an act for the public and putting on a show for 
you know, when he steps onto a race course and he puts on this big PR show and this big spiel and everyone goes, oh, wow, she Murphy, great. And then being a very different character behind closed doors, because ultimately, if you put yourself uh, to the forefront of the limelight in, a, in the way that he does in so many areas of his life, the bit that you try to keep behind closed doors will inevitably come out. So for me, this was always we were just watching a slow-mo car crash and it was just the case of when is it going to when's the shit really going to hit the fan, so to speak. And that's seemingly happening right now. And I think, you know, Richard Hughes spoke very well on Racing Debate on Sunday and echoing a few of the comments that Kevin just said there. You know, now is the time for action. I don't think it's good enough just this big apology spiel coming out the whole time. I think he has to really show what he show that he wants to uh, seek help himself. Ultimately, he's the only person who can help himself. I think he's got a lot of passions outside of racing. You know, he's big into his show jumping. He enjoys a day out hunting. He's big into the bloodstock side of stuff as well. I've seen that, you know, I, we did a show jumping feature with him. He's been out on the sunshine tour, um, riding show jumpers the last few weeks he's been out there we know that that's been all over social media um so this idea that he's sort of been in a place of recovery if that's the story that we're going to be trying to be sold then i'm not buying into that because his social media says a very different story um but i can see that maybe he'll take some time away from the sport i think that's quite a realistic option for him i don't think for him racing is his be all and end all absolute life. I think maybe he could um, take some time away from the sport. And I don't think we should be writing that off as an option. That's not just not going to happen just because he's our champion jockey. And just because he's sort of everyone touts him as this next Frankie, the Tory type character. Um, I don't necessarily see that as his future. I think maybe he might take some time away from the sport and maybe that's what he's going to need. But ultimately I don't think you can sort of going back to my original point, you know, be this golden boy of racing and sell yourself as that publicly and then close the public door and go behind the scenes and act the way he does. I think it was inevitable he was going to be caught out. And I'm afraid he's being caught out here. Yeah. And look, obviously, if he shows genuine contrition and all that and really wants to get himself better, I mean, he'll have, he'll have full support from, from an awful lot of people. I guess, Tony, to kind of further on Vanessa's point there, this Jekyll and, and Hyde type character that he is, Racing has almost supported that over the last couple of years by putting him up in these ambassadorial positions, by, you know, going all out to kind of big him up as the star of racing, despite these discretions, which, as Kevin said, have really kind of amounted up over the last couple of months, or after a couple of years, I should say. Well, yeah, I mean, he's, he's been given a very easy ride in the press uh, for, for what he's actually done. Um, he's been, I was very surprised that the BHA put out a joint statement about, mm. about someone who's who's transgressed to the degree he has done. I mean, you know, like, you know he's, he's got the, the drink, the drugs, the sex, the COVID breaches, the, you know, the, the lie, you know, you know, there could be a vacancy for an MP uh, for a, a, a prime minister every, every recently. <laughs> he's got it all going for him, isn't he? You know, if he's got six months off, he might, we might see him in number 10 next week. He's, he's got all the attributes going, isn't he? Yeah, it's been but, um, Dominic Rab apparently over the last. Yeah, year. yeah, but it's <laughs> it, 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 it is it, this this case is 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 much bigger than it's been it's been built up has been been portrayed in the media even now. I mean, you have a situation whereby back in May he's got a, a positive urine test and we don't hear about that. I mean that and that should have triggered um, a, a pretty hasty uh, investigation and the hearing, and that would have seen him because it's his second. Um, it's his second breach, so that should have triggered some kind of ban, shouldn't it? And then, well, now we don't hear about that until now, which is three months after his third breach, which is clearly should have triggered an entry point of ninety days. And I understand we, we haven't heard, we haven't had the hearing, etc. But it just seems he's getting preferential treatment here, and having the regulator put out a joint statement about someone they're meant to be, you know, regulating over. And in this instance, they're going to have to get pretty tasty with, with what they're giving him. I mean, mm. it, it won't be it won't be his option to take some time out because he I think he's looking at six months. I mean, like I say, he, he's going to get he's going to get three months for the, the third alcohol ban within 36 months. The, the COVID breaches and the line about the COVID breaches, they're going to have to come down on him like a ton of bricks there. They really are. So here's, think, here's one for you, TC. Yeah. Penny for the thoughts of William Buick. 
Yeah, well, yeah. yeah well, there was yeah. A because the second offence came in May. If if it was, we don't know the nature of the offence, but assuming it was a lower level one, that would have triggered a seven day ban back then. But as soon as he failed the breathalyzer in, you know, what was that, mid September? You know, like you said, that would have triggered a ban of at least two months. That would have finished the Jockeys Championship but right there and then. You know, William Buick had me feeling extremely but, hard done by. But everybody, this is this William is the whole Buick's thing. like Camelot in the Ledger, right? Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. But oh, you've got yeah. you've got a situation here where presumably everyone at the BHA knew about that was his third alcohol breach in thirty six months. Presumably, um, his employers knew. Uh, presumably, uh, Ascot knew, um, uh, and, and and we had this situation where he's crown champion jockey there presumably everyone in the background in full in full knowledge that you know this shitstorm was incoming yeah it's it's, it's incredible and I you, mean, you would you would like you would like to know the process there of why this this has taken so long to come out you know especially the one in may you really do wonder why and you, you just can't help but get the impression, you know, speaking straight, the whole way through this and other things before, <laughs> it seems to be protected from on high, you know, and get is a this very soft, a very okay, I'm soft not, I'm ride, not Kevin, you know? I'm not Kevin. Is this soft glove approach to uh, Oshie Murphy that doesn't seem to transfer to, to other jockeys? Uh, has it got to do this, with who he works for and who no, he's employed by? And yeah, before before Kev's answers that, I mean, it's a soft glove approach that has just got, it's got us into this situation. Yeah, he's been given preferential for, treatment. But why is he? I mean, is it, is it got to do with his employer? I mean, the contacts around Newmark. What, what you tell me? I mean, I, I can't. Sure, he's well, got these charming be... personality. He's managed to hoodwink the BHJ personality. So it must I be something have, else. Well, people want to bill him as the next Frankie Dettori. I wouldn't necessarily agree with it myself in a personality sense, but that's the way <laughs> he's been put forward. Yeah. You know, and and. Like it, it, it does seem to have gotten incredibly lenient treatment, and like like TC mentioned, the joint statement with the BHJ, like I found that incredible. I, I you know just you have to you have to go back to that, you have what? to go back to the Mahmoud Al Zaruni situation yeah. when, when Simon Christopher sat up on the on the on the at the desk with the BHJ announcing the the punishment for Mahmoud Al Zaruni. Like that's the only precedent I can but think of for something what, like this. What are the? This is a genuine question. I I don't understand what the reasons for the joint statement would be. I don't understand. I, I'm assuming, I'm assuming because there was a, you know, a mental health um, illness angle to it that they felt that that was a, a, an appropriately sympathetic way right. to deal with it. I'm guessing, I'm guessing, mm -hmm. but it does seem like you think back to some of the cases we've seen over the years that seemed you know, you think back to, you know, Robbie Downey and Rab Havlin, you know, when they when they had their troubles in France and they came back here and they seemed to have very strong cases for, for the BHA, maybe to give them a bit a, an easier ride than they were getting in France. And they, they got no dice, you know, they're, they're looking on at this situation and, and seeing Oshie Murphy get okay. such a, a soft spin. Well, you know, I, mean, I say, God, you know, one rule for one, one rule for everyone else. And when we go yeah. back to the you know, 12, well, over 12 months ago now, but obviously when um the french cocaine situation came out and i understand that they decided to go down the you know they agreed with the fact that it was environmental or whatever you want to call it but ultimately like the guy got done for cocaine essentially that's the bottom line and yet a few weeks later he's still wheeled out as the kipco ambassador at champions day mm. i mean that absolutely like i i'm you know i'm a fan of Ashim murphy he's always been incredibly kind to me uh, I think fundamentally he's a very kind guy. I think yeah. fundamentally he um, is a, is a real people pleaser, which I my personal view might be the reason that he's got himself into a few of the predicaments he has done in a funny way. I think he likes to say yes to people. I think he likes to please people and he wants to please people, um, but he's clearly got some demons as well. And I'm not entirely sure he's necessarily surrounded by the right sort of people that have maybe guided him correctly in hindsight. But, you know, at that time, it's like it baffled me that they kept him as the Kipco ambassador of Champions Day. Like, again, it sort of goes back to that, the wider public's view, they don't look at the small print there. The guy got done for cocaine, essentially, environmental or not, he did. And now he's wheeled out on our biggest, supposedly British's biggest day as the ambassador of our sport. I mean, I, that just blew my mind. It's, it's, I think he is a fundamentally nice guy. I mean, why I have my recent health problems, I, I never, never met the guy. I never spoke to him, but he, he, he dropped me a, 
he dropped me an email. Um, and someone, someone, someone approached me on Friday, um, an old colleague of mine, um, who's, he said he speaks to Oshin daily and said, you know, he is in a, he is in a very bad way. So we have to be mindful of, you know, his, his mental stability and we have yeah. to be mindful of the fact that the BHA probably thought they were being enlightened by, by having a joint statement when they did last week. But there comes a point where, you know, it's tough love, isn't it? I mean, you, you yeah. just can't, you can't allow this to go on because, if you give someone preferential treatment, they'll just take the piss. They won't learn, will they? I mean, yeah, I mean yeah. as, uh, I, you know, do we buy the fact that he hasn't had a drink since that, you know, since that day in September and October or whatever? No, I mean, you hear stories all the time and we're hearing them, the press are hearing them. And, you know, you're not going to go after him for it because he does have problems, but the, the regulator has to draw a line in the sand here and he's crossed it, and I think he's looking at six months. I really yeah, and, and the other thing That's is, what well, like, the, annoying, the annoying thing is, in a way, is that people will probably characterise this conversation we're having about it as as piling on Toshin Murphy and, you know, having been insensitive about it, and etc. But the, the opposite is actually true. Because, like, yeah, anyone, yeah. anyone that has had any dealings with, with people with substance abuse problems or, or alcohol problems, like the, like TC says, the worst thing you can do is be too forgiving and too understanding because it, it's a circle. It goes around in a circle. They behave themselves for a while. They go off the rails. You think they've hit rock bottom and you say, OK, we'll give you one more chance. And before you know it, you're back around the full circle again. You're, you're meeting problems again. You know, there has to be a point where people, the right people around and put their foot down, grab hold of them. And put and point them in the right direction. And you know, it's down to him after that. But you know, oh, this this soft treatment, this pretending there isn't issues, it's only going to exasperate the problem and make him feel invincible, as TC says. If there's no consequences, you won't get a change in outcome. Kev, yeah, absolutely, 100 percent Um, Kev, two quick stories before we get to our questions. Um, Jason Navarro got a five-year <coughs> excuse me, prison sentence um for pleading. Guilty to conspiracy to commit drug adulteration, adulteration or misbranding. And also the French trainer um, Cedric Rossi has been arrested on suspicion of doping. This is, of course, um, on the back of the John Wick story. So look, it's two uh, pretty black clouds again over the sport of horse racing and doping. I mean, the prison sentence is a positive, um, but the French connection, obviously not so much. Yeah, Jorge Navarro, like this is the part of the massive FBI-led case in America that's been ongoing there for um, the better part of two years. This is the heaviest punishment that's been dealt out thus far. There's fellas going down left, right and centre for it in terms of punishment. And like Jorge Navarro is a very high-profile trainer, you know, well over a thousand winners. Um, had, had, you know, brought XY, the poor, poor old XY jet over to Dubai to win the the golden Shaheen there and like it's a shocking case really really is like the FBI did, did a fabulous job uncovering it to the extent they did and, and pursuing it and, and getting a result here like Jorge Navarro has come to prison for five years and he's probably going to be deported um, after he comes out you know that that's consequences talking about consequences that's consequences you know you you fear that if, if you had a case like that something comparable come up like this in the UK or Ireland, uh, the trainer might might get uh, you know disqualified for two or three years. Their wife would come in and take over the license while while he continues to train, and they'd be welcomed back with open arms when when it, when it expires. You know this is proper consequences. It sends a message, um, uh, and you could only be delighted because it's a disgusting case. It's an absolute shocker when you read the, de the details of it and the the attitude he has to his horses and what he did to them. Uh, and the consequences of it. And the French case, we know much less about it, you, they, they, they swept in. And um, like in, in France, they have a situation where they have essentially betting police um, that, that enforce um, the, the integrity of, of, of anything that, that's bet on. And, you know, they, they had a huge investigation here. They've arrested a whole bunch of high profile people. And um, we'll wait and see where it goes. It, it can, these things take time, but it's a very worrying case. Very high profile people tied in with some very high profile horses and um, very recently see the way, etc. Um, so yeah. we'll, we'll see where it goes, but it's very concerning. Yeah. Okay, let's get stuck into the questions. We have um, a good few as well. Thanks to all the listeners who send them in. And before the show, I will finish with all I want for Christmas is, and uh, we've had a few of those answers in as well. Right, Paul says, if there was one of your way, oh, Christ, <laughs> if there was one of your waiting <laughs> colleagues you didn't want to be kissed under the mistletoe, who would it be and why? Hugh Cal? Yes, Paul. I think we all know now that nobody wants to kiss me. TC might, but 
everybody else no mm. definitely not Lawrence Dixon says is top trainer finding 80 pounds and back from 14 to 4 courtesy of a pair of blinkers good for the sport or do other connections in Bundersfield cheated do Irish trainers have to declare wind up when racing over here also Elliot saying to, to stewards better ground made a difference when it was tailed off on good ground last time of 93 mm. TC smiling uh it's not a good look, is it? I mean, it's not an isolated case. We see it all the time now. Um, and people are just people are just disregarding the form book and, and betting on what they hear. And it's, yeah. it's, like, it's never a good look when you can't look at the, uh, the form book and justify it. I mean, I think the UK handicapper actually gave Ardhill an extra £10. And obviously, he could have given it an extra £42 and it wouldn't have made any difference. But open up at 14s, wins hard-tailed on the bridle at 4s. First time blinkers, punting owner. It's it just uh, if you back if you back Impel of the second, I you have my undying sympathy. Um, you know we can all moan about it. You know if we'd have been in on it, you know we'd have been shouting it from the rooftops. But yeah, uh, I, I I don't. And there was there was other ones as well. We had uh, there was a gamble at Lingfield when the horse had, had beaten one horse in the previous three starts, backed in the sevens and twenty five and wins. It's it's not for me. Uh, I, I'd, I'd like yeah. to. I like to look at the form book, look at the look at the, the previous results, and make an informed judgment. And if you can't do that, then what's the point? Okay, perfect. Um, so yeah, the, Jack Cousin, who also followed up as well, said, "Good question, Ars. Guess it's just part of the game." Kevin O'Malley, Art Hill Gamble, making a mockery of the sport, or is it a good look to them? Pat on the back for a job well done. Same pair of some pair of blinkers to improve a horse's form by three hundred lengths. <laughs> I mean, look, Kev, it's, I know we laugh at these things, but I honestly, you know, people go in, you look at the form book and I don't know how much people even pay blind to those. Because if you see a price contract from 25 to 1 into 11 to 4 in a space of about three hours, you're going to get on, aren't you? Um, well, look, again, it comes down to stewarding, doesn't it? Um, like if the stewarding was more robust and, you know, the horse, the horse's last six or seven runs raised no eyebrows, um, you know, there was no issues with betting patterns, you know, some you can have what you might phrase as a genuine gamble, you know, with, with reasons behind it, and that wouldn't necessarily be evident to the public. That's part of the game. But, you know, in terms of what happens on the track, as CC says, um, you know, it has to be policed correctly. And I, I don't think any of us would, would claim that it is at the minute. Um, like I haven't looked back through the, the horse's last whatever five runs myself. But, um, you know, if, if it was more robust day to day and you had faith in it, um, I suppose something like this would be would be more of an aberration than the norm, but we're we're seeing an awful lot of um, yeah, we're we're seeing an awful lot of kind of no form gambles, I suppose, if you want to call it yeah. that of late. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um TR1472 um wondering why um we've seen a huge improvement from V Dancer. No explanation for this. We're all aware of the usual running them over an adequate trip. Not having them fully fit, etc. One lining one up. I don't know. I'm not aware. I don't know. Just uh, reason for this. Rona McNally. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. I had, okay. I had a quick look. I mean, a lot of these do have their basis in their in in the point form very early on, and that the horse did, and, and it didn't run that badly uh, on its first start before he mm. he won his he's won his next three. But again, um, you know, you can kind of like make a case for the improvement, but not when it's backed into odds on. Yeah. Uh, before it's before showing that improvement it's it's, it's just mad it's just some of the, yeah. some they, we had a horse over here last week that it was uh in the long handicap it was carrying five five stone 11 uh and i think it was one of rona mcnally's <laughs> or, or, or a horse that was meant uh, apparently <coughs> apparently related uh, to that yard uh and it went off at five to one <coughs> and it was and yeah. it was 90 odd pound wrong in the handicap he, what the yeah, I know. It's yeah, and, and that, I'm not actually even sure how V Dancer got a handicap mark because unless it's changed now, certainly up until very recently, I assume it hasn't changed. So there was a rule in Ireland that you had to finish within 45 lengths of the winner to um, to get a mark. I think, and, I think um, he ran, I think he did run okay the time before the winning run started. Um, yeah, that was in a handicap. Um, they, so they, yeah, they, how do you get the mark? Yeah, maybe I'm sure there's a perfectly reasonable explanation, but my, yeah. my understanding was there was a rule there that you had to finish within 45 lengths and, and he didn't. 
Richie Dora says, on Richie Murphy, why are we only hearing about the third alcohol failure right now and the COVID violations conveniently decided to hand his license back the day before his BHI inquiry and at this time of year again, like the cocaine ban, we'll miss very little. Rob Buick of the title as well, but I guess we just we just covered that, Richie. Um, all strong points there. Um, Tony Angelino says, why is a man giving up his riding license because he has a drink drugs problem so much braver than a woman speaking up on being bullied? The amount of tweets I've seen praising Murphy as brave for doing it is weird. Guy is celebrated for constantly messing up. It's an interesting point. I mean, you look at the perception point, of Bushy yeah. Murphy versus the perception of Bryony Frost. And I, I can't make head nor tail why he seems to get such a favorable treatment for being brave. And she is hung from the rooftops for exposing a problem in the way room. It's a, it's a complete... Mm, it's perverse. It's a complete, weird one for me. Billy Butler says, any idea, Tony, when the BHA publish their reasons on the Dunn-Frost case verdict, thereby invoking the seven-day window in which Dunn can lodge an appeal if he so wishes. Does anyone know this? It'd be due, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah it'd be due soon enough. So, so keep your eyes just on one last thing on the Oshie Murphy case. Because he's relinquished his licence, it could well be working his favour because mm. it may well, the if he gets three months, it could be when he relinquished it last week. So if he does... Yeah, well be, be it, yeah. So if, yeah, he, if he does only get three months, were, he yeah, could be... He could be up and running for the Dubai World Cup and missing in very, a, very little. In a yeah, case, I'd say realistically, yeah, I'd be at UTC. I'd be expecting more like six months here, um, which in which case he could be back for Royal Ascot if he was, you know, of, of body and mind to do that. But um, yeah, I think it was pro- like, and this is it. It's, you know, it's 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 not difficult to read these things a bit cynically, and it was quite a probably quite a savvy move to do that. But uh, and and then to be able to put the spin on it that was put on it, yeah, it's quite quite savvy. It's, it's, it's the equivalent it's for time. Deal, but, time yeah. It's the equivalent for time already served, isn't it? So I mean, yeah, he's given up his license. Therefore, it'll it'll count towards whatever ban he gets in the end. You would imagine. So look, that's why you pay the lawyers big bucks. Uh, David Carr says, "Why do jockeys never seem to get COVID?" Ah, I'm sure they do. Probably, yeah, I don't know. Maybe the top guys. Right? Yeah, you don't. Really you don't really much, hear yeah. about it when you no. think about it. And they're all you know in a changing room together, in a weighing room together. They share cars, various different places. They're riding out in yards that aren't exactly COVID conscious a lot of the time. I was, I saw that question. I thought it's actually a very good question. You know, is you the, know what's what? the testing? <sighs> you know what? I think jockeys are the only professional sportsmen not tested. For, for taking part in their sport. I think you're right. I last we, we touched upon this last year because there was you speak to some of the jockeys and it was kind of like you know laughing about it, you know, we, we're not testing because we think we've all had it, blah blah. When you go to France, you have to apply for an exemption. And when you come back, you have to do 10 days worth of uh, live video testing, for what I'm told. But I think when you go riding in England. There is no, there is no need to pass uh, uh, to make sure you have a, a negative COVID test, which obviously all the rugby players of late, all the football players of late, all testing yeah. supply. Mm. Now, it defies belief that no jockey has tested positive. Now they could well have done, and we don't hear about it. They just take some time off, but um, it would it would do the sport a lot of good if they did test, and it would do a lot of sport uh, to highlight the fact that they did test positive and were sideline for 10 days if they do if they are positive. Well I think the problem I suppose if you want to call it the problem the challenges they'd have is that if they did get positive tests close contacts yeah you know weighing room yeah yeah um like Shane, Shane Cross is the only jockey that I can recall testing positive but he was coming from Ireland to the UK to uh, for the ledger oh, yeah. that's the only one I can maybe there's more but, but uh, a little bit like that that country and um forgive me for forgetting the specifics that country in Africa at the beginning of the pandemic when when cases were going mad all over the world and there was this country in Africa with zero cases and they're their, uh, their nobody tested. equivalent of the prime minister was asked the question you know oh, fair play Jesus, you're doing an incredible job with, with COVID-19 what's the secret yeah we don't do any testing <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's not really sustainable is it in the current no. climate if that is well, they probably all had it five times they're probably the most immune population of all time yeah, they probably are <laughs> yeah. 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 Like I said, the only son- reason Shane, Shane Cross failed the test because he probably had to have a PCR to fly over to England yeah literally yeah. 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 he, so he should have got right. something else to take it for him Rubriere says, any idea what's become of Dussart and on the Henderson team, uh, what would you do with Champ now? Stayers in a very weak division under a crack of the Gold Cup. Stayers all day. I think yeah. we're unanimous on that, are we? Yeah, yeah Dussart. Yeah. I did, Dussart. I did ask her out about Dussart. Um, David Jennings was actually gushing in um, 
uh, a piece he did with Nicky Henderson about this horse about six weeks ago. I asked someone this morning, uh, they said they haven't heard about him uh, since then, and he's had no entries. So I don't know, he's, he's had problems throughout his career, do so. Very, very, very promising. He meant to go chasing, but no entries. Uh, the, the entries are out for uh, over Christmas this afternoon. If he appears yeah. there, great, but uh, apparently okay. he's, uh, he's gone off the radar a bit. Bray Collins says, um, morning, best bet for a Boxing Day, please, apart from starting the post-Christmas diet, of course. Hope you're doing well. <laughs> um, Manella and Doe for the King George for me. Uh, Riviere de Tell to beat Fernie Holler in the novices grade one. Ooh, big shout, Vanessa. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, wait, I'll, wait, I'll wait for the decks this afternoon, but I'm, yeah. half, I'm half toying. <laughs> With Mr. Fisher at 40s with a sports book. Oh, my God, it's huge. For what? For what? <laughs> <laughs> Christ, no. By the way, I miss Warren there. Um, Warren asked if he put a bit more meat on the two big drug stories in France and America. Warren, I hope we, uh, we did that sufficiently for you. Um, Dave says, Racing globally has endured a torrid year with so much negative press, which detracts from such a wonderful sport we all love. Regulatory bodies really need to work closer and portray themselves as fit for purpose. Where to start? Great podcast and concise thanks a for that dave yeah i think we'd all be in agreement there daniel murray says is charlie deutsch the most improved jump jockey this year and will hold that thought when the uh, when the welsh national i don't know i don't know about the welsh national horse but charlie deutsch is having a great time of it fair cop to him he's a solid guy see he's a he's a chap who's had his problems in the past and come out the other side got knuckled down um, got his head down, got on with it. I think he's all, I don't necessarily think he's the most improved jump jockey. Yeah. I think he's connected to a yard, he's giving him terrific opportunities and are having a good time of it. But I think he's always been the top class horseman in my eyes. You know, the way he rides, the way he rides over a fence and you can really spot him out a long way in a jump in a jump race, especially over chase fences. Um, I think, yeah, he's always been the very talented horse. Stoich's the guy who got done for going yeah. 300 miles an hour over a roundabout. Yeah, running ago. running away from the police. Yeah. <laughs> so there is a way back, Murphy. There is a way back. Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah but you have to you have to hit rock bottom to get back, and he certainly hit rock bottom and has worked yeah. his way back. I'm not sure Oshin's hit that hit there just yet. Yeah, I'm on the way. See, he well. was That's a man. Yeah. Charlie was a man who wasn't given quite as many chances. That's why, mm. Kevin. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, right. Um, are we going to be have to bring in watering next winter if it's as dry as we've had? So many horses unable to run due to welfare concerns. Decent grade. Yeah, this is a huge. I imagine Leopards down there, they're watering like crazy, Kevin. Right? I can't say I've heard, but you know, it's, it's been extremely dry for, the last, it's dry for the last like 10 days more, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, Not it's dry bring, bring back all weather jumping and start the campaign here. <laughs> But heroin yeah. nice and deep, there'll be no worries. The Two weeks eight. in a row, that's got to mention. Panic station. <laughs> yeah. The amount yeah, of yeah. you've been drinking from your Twitter post, you should go down there and uh, you'd soon have it heavy if you relieved yourself. You? <laughs> I am I am sweating. I am sweating black Guinness at the moment, Tony. And it's absolutely wow. fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> um, right. Um, who's Nikki Supreme, Jimmy? Supreme horse, Jimmy wants to know. John Bonner, Constitution Hill. I think both. And I think it looks like they're both going to be sent there, which would be great. And Brad Maxley says, your thoughts on the common approach of year of bumpers, year of novice hurdlers, then a year of novice chases that we commonly see. Should some horses look to progress to chases sooner? Yeah, look. Don't don't ask Kev, we'll be here another hour. (laughs) Just get rid of the bumpers, lads. Yeah, we've spoken of this before. Like it's 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 madness, really, that it takes three or four years to see a horse over over fences in open company. But you look, that's the system. I think we change the system, Brad. There's nothing we can do about it. And um, but Kevin's very much in favour of changing it. And um, Mike Moore, I was going to ask this too. What's the point the horses going from a three mile point to point? Yeah, it's the same issue a two mile bump or two mile long travel. But yeah, look, it's it's. I know it doesn't Stupid. make a lot of sense. I think it would Stupid. take. Do you know it would take a few people to. Uh, go down a different route, a different campaigning route, like set out a different pattern, get chasing sooner and a star to come from that road for other people to follow suit because ultimately, like we see it time and time again, we're just in racing trainers and owners, they really follow trends, you know, whether it's French horses or Irish Mm. pointers or whatever it might be and it's the same with the programme book, if a couple of people or one star came out from going a different route, trust me, other people would would follow because there's a load of sheep in this racing game 
Yeah, literally, just get rid of graded bumpers, and I guarantee you, nice horses wouldn't run on bumpers anymore. They might get one run; yeah, they just yeah. wouldn't yeah. run on them. They they only hang around there because there's an option, a Cheltenham Festival option. You know, yeah. you think American Mike would be would be running on bumpers if there wasn't a Cheltenham bumper? Sure, no sure send all the bumper horses too- over to the Ascot Gold Cup, and sure, you can take on Stradivarius and show him up for what he is. And <laughs> um, right, Stuart Maxwell says, from a Cheltenham Festival betting perspective, is there a point in the season if a horse is yet to have a run where you discount that horse as a betting prospect? Hypothetical examples at the moment. Appreciated Shushkin Galloping Deschamps. Oh, let me test my memory. Out. When did Well Chief make his chasing debut? Did he make his chasing well, debut Chief. in like February? What a horse. And then won yeah. the Arkle. Yeah, 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 February 13th. He, oh, sorry, I tell a lie. That's a, I'm lying. I'm lying. He made oh. his chasing debut on February the 4th and then won the Arkle. Wow, brilliant. Like, yeah, five yeah. weeks was later. Timmy Murphy on board, was he? No. That's the one. On McCoy Road, but Timmy, Timmy, McCoy, did he? Timmy was yeah. on afterwards, yeah, okay. Right, um, uh, okay, Jason Jackson, with racing looking at doing a behind-the-scenes type series like Drive to Survive on Formula 1 on Netflix, how bad could this be? It's clear, <laughs> little to no PR training goes on, and while it's bringing in larger audience, that's a really good point, Vanessa, and you did mention this, um, I think on your, on your first time on the podcast, and I, I didn't actually stop to consider what a car crash it could be given the fact that the <laughs> jockeys the can't, string two, can't string two words together. It could be an absolute nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could in some ways be an absolute nightmare. I mean, obviously, you'd want people creating it who, uh, at the end of the day, have the best interest of the sport, uh, not necessarily as the first and foremost thing when making the series, but you'd want them to care about the reputation of racing and the sport. Yeah. Um, which I think, you know, the team, a couple of, there's sort of multiple options going on right now. And uh, I think everyone fundamentally would want the best for racing. So I wouldn't worry too much about yeah. that if it got off the ground i'm writing a sitcom pilot at the moment about the lives of three jockeys during covid called jocked off and i'm telling you i have more material for this sitcom than i three jockeys thrown together in a house forced, forced to live together the old timer who's still hanging on to win one last derby and two young lads have to go and earn money a dodgy agent in the background who's trying to sell the lads out <laughs> as Pantomime Williams and Alter Boys. One of them goes back to repeat the leave and certainly gets bullied. I'm telling you, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Chopped off. Wait a minute. Maybe you're <laughs> Kevin, maybe you're right. Maybe they should look at it in a different way and see all these things as like absolute yeah. box office drama. Yeah, in this yeah. day and age when sport has completely, has been absolutely stripped of any personality around it, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe we should lean into this. <laughs> okay. Um, this is a couple more to get to because we're, we're overtimed, uh, gents. Um, oh, Barry R. Somewhere. I, listen, listen, I, somebody has to keep you lads in check, right? But Barry away. Um, is Book Maiden gone to the absolute walls, DC? Take a look at the Andy Post book for Sheldon. Oh, look, we talked about this as yeah. well um, about prices. Just don't back Andy Post unless no, you're, you're, unless you're you, in on the ground. If you think John Bond's too short, you can go in and lay him at 3.3 for the Supreme. So if oh, you want to okay. if you want if you want to take him on, the option's there. Chris Ashton, uh, what can racing do in 2022 to turn things around? Um, I guess we'll, look, we'll go into that in more detail, Chris, because it's a long, it's a long answer for that. Uh, Dublin sports fans says, "Hi, Tony. What's your opinion on the TV punditry phrase and typically praise of a jockey for getting a breather into the leader?" Well, half the time they're guessing, aren't they? Unless they've got, yeah. unless the commentators have got a clock in their head. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Grant James Thomas says, "How much of a mess will Boxing Day be? Eleven fixtures, eight of which are on racing mm-hmm. TV, with the other three on Sky Oof. Sports Racing. Sure, he's going to be crazy. Yeah, look." It's going to be like something like a mathematical genius. Yeah, carnage. Uh, Um, It's no problem. We'd all be watching Funkwell with Vanessa. Yeah, yeah. absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. Uh, Last three. Lloyd Murphy says, with the dry spell to continue in Ireland and no soft ground, how will this impact trainers trying to get prep runs? That's we, 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 I think we covered this one already, and, and it could be a case of an awful lot of horses if they don't have the ground right withdrawn because they have done it before. Uh, Liam D, hi lads, do you think we need to start preparing for another spring of racing behind closed doors and no crowds at the Dublin Racing Festival in Cheltenham? Again, very depressing thought. We hope not, Liam. Well, hopefully, even if it is um, a, a, a kind of a mini lockdown over Christmas with smaller crowds, you would hope that they're doing that so that in the new year, things will open back up again. We can't keep shutting the country down. We just can't do it. Sport as well. Sport's going to die. Like they're all going to, you know, anyway. Uh, Shawnee McCarthy says, Hi, Tony. Often hear you refer to trainer stats and headgear. Can you please advise what sources you use to get this info? Plenty out there. Uh, race Room Interactive. I just dropped okay. my pen, sorry. No worries at all. Okay. And just to finish it off, because it is Christmas, guys, and uh, 
a bit of festive spirit. All I want for Christmas is Frodo to win the King George and Bryony to self-parody in the interview as a wink to all the jockeys <laughs> who allegedly dislike her. <laughs> That'd be very good. That'd all I want good. for Christmas is a winning tip from Hugh, though even Santa might struggle with that one. Jesus Christ. Wow. Come on, that's a bit harsh. Brutal. All I want for Christmas is a five-fold odds-on accumulator to come in. Well, I can certainly help you with that one. You ever said that? All I want for Christmas is this uh, TC sending this. All I want for Christmas is hair. Is that you, TC? <laughs> uh, a sport. All I want for Christmas is a sport that I can stand behind and be proud of for a change. Oh, yeah. Take up bowls or something. Yeah. All I want for Christmas is the boat. Santini for the gold cup. I'll tell you what. Come on, baby. All I want for Christmas is Vanessa to finally go out with you. There's more. There's more chance of me winning the gold cup. Christmas is cancelled if that's the case. They'll depend on how much sherry there is in Vanessa's Christmas cake. Yeah, yeah. About seventeen bottles are needed. Yeah, I was going to say fourteen, but fine, I'll go up to seventeen. All I want for Christmas is Dave Yates and his silk cravats to stop appearing on my TV. Every time there's an interview, <laughs> have a word. Have a word. Um, all I want for Christmas a profit and loss for racing post tipsters. All I want for Christmas one of the big dopers to get caught. Well, we've had two uh, caught for meeting this week. And um, all I want for Christmas the betting lab back on racing TV. Less <laughs> of this podcast crap. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, for my loyalist listener, um, guys, have a brilliant Christmas. We're going to talk to you um, over the course of the the week. Twenty third so with racing only better. The twenty third racing back. Uh, racing only better back. This Thursday uh, to preview all the action. Uh, have a great Christmas, guys. Talk to you soon.